Chapter Thirteen of Irene Iddesley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irene Iddesley by Amanda McKittrick Ross. Chapter Thirteen. It is astounding to view the smallest article through a magnifying glass. How large and lustrous an atom of silver appears! How fat and fair the withered finger seems! How monstrously mighty an orange! How immeasurably great the football of youth! But these are as not when the naked eye beholds the boulder of barred strength, a mountain of mystery. The usual hour for arousing the inmates of Dunfern Mansion was designated by the ringing of a bell, constructed at the back part of the building, and connected by means of a wire with the room of the footman, whose duty it was to ring fully three minutes every morning at the hour of seven o'clock in winter and six in summer. On Christmas morning, only a short time after Lady Dunfern's escape was effected, it rang somewhat later, arousing from sleep all the servants, with the exception of Marjorie Mason, who failed entirely to put in an appearance, even when called thrice by Rachel. However, believing that she was still fast asleep, Rachel ceased to further call on her, until after serving her ladyship's breakfast. On this festive day, the breakfast served in the servants' spacious hall was a sumptuous repast, truly, and required longer time to prepare than was customary. This being so, evidently delayed the housekeeper a considerable time in attending to the wants of her mistress, whose breakfast was always punctually served at nine o'clock. This rule was violated to the extent of about half an hour on the memorable morning of Lady Dunfern's flight. Sir John breakfasted at fifteen minutes after nine, and looked both careworn and sad, intimating to Rachel his inability to sleep the previous night. Ordering her to prepare a dainty dish for Lady Dunfern, he proceeded to read the daily paper that had been so customary for years. Rachel, hastily executing her master's orders, and having all in readiness for her mistress, hurried to her room for the key. Sharply telling the usual maid to follow her with the tray, she wended her way towards the door that twice had been locked since her last visit. Unlocking it, turning the handle, and pushing it open, she took from the servant the tray, as was her custom by strict orders of her master, never allowing the maid further than the door. Depositing it upon the table, she swiftly turned to the door, and locking it from within, began to gaze around for Lady Dunfern, who sometimes breakfasted in bed. Moving in its direction with tray in hand, no Lady Dunfern appeared. The bed remained unused since she settled it the previous day. Wildly shouting with momentary pain, Rachel let fall the tray, smashing the china, etc., and thickly spotting the matting in some places with its contents. In deep despair she cast one delirious stare around the room, but all to no effect. Heaven help me! Has she fled? Oh, what! What shall I do? Thinking that she might have hidden under the couch of rest, she threw herself on the floor to try and catch only a glance of her hidden form, but was disappointed once more. Running to the door and frantically opening it, she ran to Marjorie's room. Failing to be admitted, she hurried down to acquaint some of the men, who attempted to open Marjorie's door, but all their masculine attempts to arouse her were futile. What was there left to be done save to acquaint Sir John of the matter? 
agitated did rachel enter without signifying her approach to her master who sat in silence oh sir cried she drowned in tears and uttered in broken accents the words your wife has escaped she is not in her room what gasped sir john it cannot be following rachel to the room of terror he found her information too true how on earth has this happened asked the horrified husband had you the key he fiercely asked of rachel ever ready to substitute the truth with a lie where the former especially would convict her she replied with a stamp of her foot that it never was out of her drawer of safe deposit thinking probably she may have trifled with the window sir john moved forward and the wrap never being removed he thought it had not in any way been tampered with until rachel espied the corner pane ah said she this is the clue to her cursed craft this must have had something to do with her escape then the thought of marjorie's room being still closed to view she fancied might have something also to do with the mysterious and marvellous mark of ingenious intrigue both sir john and rachel tottered to marjorie's door and demanding it to be broken open sir john entered to be further astonished at her absence to be sure on her bed she cannot have lain the previous night which was proof positive that she was an announced accomplice but the mystery had yet to be solved as to the action of their flight guilt took strong hold on rachel she knew the key was always kept in a drawer in her own room which drawer was constantly kept locked by her and the key hidden inside a little clock that ticked so gently on the mantelpiece in her room but on second thought she was so busily engaged during the christmas season that actually she forgot to lock the drawer the whole week never dreaming that this overlook on her part was so cleverly taken notice of by her who not alone committed the ruffianous act but caused all the blame to be thrown on the party in charge the housekeeper who felt sadly and very much annoyed about the affair grasped the whole thing first she thought of marjorie's professed illness the evening previous then how she tried her door before going to bed and in this attempt to enter was unsuccessful and that very morning there was no answer and finally she was missing as well as lady dunfern the well-arranged plot pictured itself in a most vivid manner to her who in one respect regarding the key's safety was entirely to blame sir john summoning all his men ordered them to go at once and intimate to the officers of the law the sudden flight of the miscreants and to try and find out their whereabouts but no trace of them was as yet nigh at hand the deceived husband appeared greatly crushed under such a weight of sorrow and wondering whether or not they could be found or if oscar otwell he who so often wrote to his wife during her period of imprisonment had aught to do with her daring adventure aided by marjorie mason it is no longer an unsolved problem that oscar otwell was from first to last the chief irritating item of sir john dunfern's unhappiness and whose supposed underhand communications with lady dunfern were the principal features depicted in this escape these letters of otwell's sir john still retained never reaching her for whom they were intended opening his large davenport that stood close by he extracted therefrom all the letters of the vaguish tutor and coming to the one received lastly found it bore the address chitworth college headley berks 
this was so much information regarding the rascal who was the sole means of separating sir john dunfern and his wife the husband paralyzed with sorrow instantly wrote to dr o'sullivan the president of the college who in youthful years was his most intimate acquaintance and whose name appeared so often in oscar's letters making the necessary inquiries relative to one of the teaching staff named oscar otwell this he sealed in an envelope and walked to the village to post it himself after two days rending agony and suspense he received the following reply chitworth college berks dear sir john i am very sorry to inform you that owing to a grave despondency which of late troubled oscar otwell one of my able and talented assistants i was compelled though reluctantly to allow him either one month's leave of absence or six weeks if he so desired in order to recruit him somewhat i strongly advised him to seek a change of air which i believe he did i myself on receipt of your note visited his lodgings to ascertain from his landlady when he was likely to return she informs me she has never heard from him since he left and cannot give the least clue as to his present quarters she adds that he took all his belongings with him trusting you enjoy good health believe me very sincerely yours d o'sullivan president merciful father exclaimed sir john as he finished reading the president's note which he laid on the table god strengthen me to bear this unchristian-like calamity oh my son my son what disgrace shall this not bring upon you my child my all pacing the floor in profound agony sir john rang for his housekeeper to convey the tidings he had just received rachel suspected this beforehand but dare not even hint at such a thing to him who had already enough to bear speaking in terms which showed manifest symptoms of sorrow combined with rage and perplexity he ordered her forever from his service you said he are solely to blame of this i am positively convinced and through that door march as i never wish again to set eyes on such a worthless woman here rachel who was grievously affected passed forever from the presence of him who dared to be questioned next of all he ordered the footman tom hepworth into his room you said he are well aware of my present calamity and might i ask of you how my wife and marjorie mason effected their escape from below had you not the hall doors locked and likewise all the others replying in the affirmative the footman shook like a poplar knowing well that instead of having in his room during the hours of repose all the keys of the various doors which led to the outside he allowed them to remain where they were during the day had you all those keys in your own room at night according to my orders since lady dunfern was obliged to be dealt with in the manner already described demanded sir john angrily the honest-hearted footman being trapped frankly acknowledged he had not go then said his master and seek employment elsewhere you are no longer fit to be here you have neglected to carry out my orders therefore you must go so saying the sturdy footman bowed and retired it no doubt caused sir john a vast amount of pain to part with two such helps as rachel hyde and tom hepworth but once he formed a resolution nothing save death itself would break it terror seized every dependent in the mansion lest sir john would visit his anger on each and all in like manner however this was not so 
as Rachel and Tom, being longer in his service than any of the others, caused him to entrust them with the chief care of matters of importance and preference. And when he found out that they had so carelessly disobeyed his injunctions, they were then compelled to reap the result. Tom and Rachel, in less than an hour after their master issued his words of censure and dismissal, left the beautiful home of such lengthy shelter, in which they had shared their help so willingly, to plough the field of adventure on which they now might wander. End of chapter 13